Hello, I'm John Ellis. Welcome to episode 53 of Pitodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shining. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, reviewing our match against Hearts and looking ahead to both the cup game midweek at home to Partick Thistle and the league game on Saturday away to Motherwell. Plus all the action from the under-18s and women's teams and we're across the country and down the leagues for a look at the rest of the Northeast too. But first to Pataudry on Sunday past, Aberdeen versus Hearts. Jim Goodwin watching from the dugout as his appeal against his ban awaits consideration, hoping for a much more comfortable experience than he had against Dundee United at Tannadice. His team back at home where they've been more comfortable themselves against the Hearts side, humbled by one by Fiorentina in midweek. It ended 2-0 for the Dons this one. Duked him twice. Point blank misses, flirting with death, pass back, still more penalty denials, one-handed saves. Technically, maybe not the best match, first half especially, but an enjoyable afternoon, I thought, overall. Poor Peter Haring might not share my sentiments. Andrew, your thoughts? Yeah, um, pretty good description of that game, actually, John. There, um, well done. There's, there's a role in football media for you at some point. I don't um, think so. But... Um, yeah, I suppose in, in keeping with um, the general tenor of um, everyday life now what is, with what's going on in Westminster, etc., etc. <laughs> just an absolute, I wouldn't, don't want to call it a shambles of a first half, but there's no one you could possibly have scripted that one because it was just unforced error upon unforced error. Um, and it, it must have made for good viewing for... Uh, uh, a neutral observer looking in, but they probably thought, hey, junior football in Aberdeen's not as bad as we thought. And they get quite big crowds because that was the level that it was at times. Um, you know, uh, Cochrane's miss in the first half. Goodness me, a school kid could have scored that one. Um, but as you say, short back passes, one or two outstanding bits of skill. Craig Gordon's one-handed save from Duke in the first half. Uh, when you see it again, my initial thought was, Duke, you should have lifted it. Um, because from my angle, I didn't see that he had actually lifted the ball. So it made for an even better save from Craig Gordon. Um, but again, that resulted because of Toby Sibick losing a ball when under no pressure at all um, as virtually last defender. Um, but uh, then you had Lauren Shankland um, Pulling a great save from Kelarus just before half time there. Again, one handed, yes. It, it was because of a, a defensive error. Uh, Aberdeen's defence allowing a ball to bounce, allowing Shanklin to get away from his marker. Um, but somehow or other, we were in at half time, nil nil, scratching our heads and wondering, how on earth have we not seen a goal in this game? Because both defences look determined to give their opposite numbers um, an opportunity to score. But uh, Aberdeen sort of settled a wee bit second half once they got um, an initial couple of mistakes out of the road. 
Again, Anthony Stewart short with a back pass. Uh, this time, um, Stephen Humphreys trying to take the ball round Roos, who got a good hand on it. Um, there were one or two muted shouts for a penalty, but um, I don't think they even came from the, the Hearts dugout, to be perfectly honest. Um, it was a decent save by the goalkeeper. But um, you just thought, goodness me, what was said at halftime? Just carry on, boys. It's great stuff to watch. It's, it's Keystone Cops football, this. But um, when Aberdeen did get uh, their goal, uh, their, their opening goal, um, which was good tenacity from Jack McKenzie in the first place to win the challenge against Robert Snodgrass, and then Ilber Ramadani's ability to not only see a, pla- a pass, but play a pass, and also Lewis Nielsen's inability to realise that Duke had got goal side of him and made it that little bit easier, but it was still a good finish. When you're up against Craig Gordon, who we all know is one of the top goalkeepers, if not the top goalkeeper in the country, um, he spreads himself, he makes himself big, he's a difficult guy to get a ball past, but Duke scored. And then it was important that Aberdeen got the second one shortly after. And again, there when, you, when I watched it initially, we could see that after his celebration of the first goal, Duke was struggling. Um, he was cramping up and uh, you thought his race is run but then he gets the ball and he feels Nielsen behind him and it was almost as though he thought ah well I might as well just go in one last run and see what happens but he didn't go that fast initially when you looked at it you thought oh he sprinted away from, from Nielsen he didn't he just sort of trotted gently away from him all of a sudden space opens up Boyan Mayofsky makes a great run to pull Stephen Kingsley away to create space for Bazawan. But again, Duke um, is a very clever footballer. He's not just flicks and tricks um, and, you know, pleasing the fans. He can see things and he can play things. And he, he set up Bazawan perfectly. And again, good first touch, good finish. And thereafter, Aberdeen saw the game out quite well. But um, it was it was hear him, scare him. But at the end of the day, a 2-0 victory. Can't complain about that. Yeah, Jim opted for a, a 3-5-2 for this one to play Hearts, Dave. Do you think it's a shape he'll stick with, given that's our first clean sheet since August? I'll uh, keep my answers short because I think my internet connection is a bit unstable. But uh, um, It'll be interesting to see what he does away from home because, mm. as Andrew touched on, I mean, defensively, Cochrane, if he'd scored what he should have scored, it could have all been so differently. And defensively, we still look so frail at times. So I think he may try and protect the back a bit more on, at Motherwell this weekend. Uh, but at home, you know, he may as well. It worked eventually. And it was uh, two well-worked goals for the Dons. And, uh, but uh, I hope I hope not for, for my nerves. I hope he doesn't keep that going away from home as well. <laughs> Um, Hayden Coulson out, no Johnny Hayes Bazarian started on the bench um, The altering shape, two up top Clarkson and Connor Barron starting Duke starting, quite a few changes or at least Differences from the norm when you look at it What worked and what didn't for you Andrew Or is it a sign of all working if we went 2-0 well, as, as Dave said, I don't think it was all working because still um, there are defensive frailties there. But um, I, I think the majority of it worked. I, I thought it took a wee while for uh, the midfield, the central three, Connor Barden, Ilba Ramadani and Leighton Clarkson to just work out who they were supposed to be marking, mm. where they were supposed to be. Um, but 
they got it right in the end of the day. Um, Hearts are a decent side, make no mistake. I think they're they're a bit light defensively at the moment. They've got so many injuries and, you know, they lost Andy Halliday early on and then sadly lost Peter Haring towards the end. That was a really scary incident, that yeah. one. Uh, a completely accidental clash of heads, but the way he went down and the speed with which, you know, his teammates and the referee were urging the, the medical staff on. And then when he, he got to his feet, you could tell he hadn't a clue where he was. He but well, he, being he a football two, two or three player, steps and then sat down again. Remember? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, but the two or three steps, you know, it was like a drunk man. Drunk money, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they did the right thing getting them out of there and getting them onto the stretcher and getting them away. And it was good to hear um, afterwards that he'd, he's sort of come to, but I think it was a clear concussion injury and he's got to be out for, for a, a little while because of that. But anyhow, to, back to how well or how badly the, the, the changes worked, I think the majority of them did work. I thought Leighton Clarkson possibly had his least effective game for Aberdeen because, um, again, there was just this uncertainty of where am I supposed to be? And then I thought he, he didn't take enough time in the ball. It is a bit helter-skelter in the middle of the park when you play against Hearts. Um, and he, he possibly felt that, you know, he, he just had to get things moving as quickly as he could. But um, we Connor Barn, he's still not 100% fit. You could see that. He, he did tire a little bit towards the end. But he's a very inventive player. He works his socks off. He'll chase around. And Ramadani did a lot of good work, you know, tidying up in there. Up front, Duke, big success. Um, the fitter he gets, the, the bigger the part he's going to play for Aberdeen. Boyan, still hunting for his best form, I think. Um, but it will come. Um, he's, he's too good a player not to score goals. He had one chance in the second half uh, when Ross McCrory burst forward. And I thought Ross, once again, very, very good. Um, particularly as the game goes on and he feels that he, he can go and drive forward, he always looks a danger. Um, but uh, over the piece, I thought it was it was a solid performance. Kelarus made key saves at the right times. So they worked hard for their clean sheet. They deserved their clean sheet. But... Um, they've still got to cut out some of the basic errors that, that were getting made at times. But um, it made for a good watch in front of a decent crowd and, and got Aberdeen up into fourth place in the table, which once again highlights, you know... Um, how bad the rest of the league is outside of Rangers well, and Celtic, yeah. Well, you can put it that way or you can see how competitive it is. Well, it's uh, a bit like the championship, the isn't it? If you, it if, is, you take out, yeah. if you take out the Rangers and Celtic... Um, uh, teams from, from the league, then it's a little bit like the championship. Anyone could be top at any given time in the uh, in the season. And and I guess that does make it exciting, but it's also, uh, in a way, a little bit embarrassing that they are that far ahead again and that nobody is up there sort of knocking on the door. Um, a couple of things that, that I spotted, Dave, that um, I hadn't seen in a while. I thought Anthony Stewart looked a little bit better um, than he has, more commanding perhaps in his presence in the second half. And... and for the first time in ages, I only noticed this in the second half. I heard him. I heard him. Sh- I heard him shouting, bellowing out orders. He did that at the start of the season, and it sort of tailed off a bit. I thought he looked a bit better. I thought Jaden Richardson looked slightly better further forward. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but just the fact that that you know you had Ross sort of <laughs> the back of him almost uh, seemed a little bit more uh, secure. I thought in the in the uh, overall picture. 
Um, what else did I think? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the 3 5 2 seemed to work for this game. I don't know if it'll stay there. Were hearts below par, Dave? I mean, did we get them easier than usual because of their, their injury list and their midweek travels? I mean, are they usually much better than what we saw? Yeah, they, they are. But uh, I mean, the midweek travels do take their toll. We know from experience of being in Europe in the past, and but it's a problem you want to have. Uh, and their injury. Was I mean, Lauren Shanklin this morning has said they can't be used as an excuse, but they do make a difference. I don't think Hart, Hank Hearts are struggling confidence-wise right now. I mean, Robbie Nielsen's under a bit of pressure from his uh, from his, the fans, and the chief exec came out to basically say, you know, cut my bit of slack. Um, so you know, they they are better than what we saw. You know, so we, we underestimate Matter Peril yeah, going forward. But to come back to um, I thought he, he he must be aware of the criticism he's been getting, um, but I thought he reacted well. He did a good interview on, on Red TV and then, as you said, backed it up with a better performance and uh, was a bit more commanding and shouted was at the start of the season, which was positive. Yeah, something I said before the game on Sunday, Andrew, was that it, it was potentially a, a really big week for us. It still is. But had we lost to Hearts on Sunday, not immediately bounced back from Dundee United, We'd have been really nervy going into the Partick game midweek. And then Motherwell away wouldn't be one you fancied either when you saw how they went about their business at Pataudry when they beat us. Now, at least, we're going to the Cup game with uh, renewed confidence, hopefully. And if we manage to progress there, that might give us the impetus and the belief to go on and, and really have a go against Motherwell. Absolutely. I mean, it is a massive week. There's no getting away from it. I mean, if uh, you were to lose to Hearts, bow out of the Cup, um, and then you know, not get any sort of positive result down at Motherwell, uh, the word crisis would yeah. be getting um, bandied around all over the place. Instead of which, you're now up to fourth place in the table. As you say, confidence should be um, renewed. It, it won't be 110%, but they'll fancy their chances, certainly at home, against championship opposition tomorrow night. Um, Partick Thistle, um, they've got a lot of experienced players, but I think Aberdeen maybe have the edge over them in terms of just that extra wee bit of sharpness, wee bit of pace um, that, uh, you know, it does cause teams problems at Pataudry in particular. I mean, we haven't seen Aberdeen away from home play anything like as free-flowing a brand of football as they have done at Pataudry. I mean, they're actually the Premiership's top scorers at home. They scored 17 goals in five games at home, which is better than Celtic or Rangers, who have both played five games at home as well. But away from home, we just can't do anything. Um, uh, the win apart uh, against St. Johnston and down at Annan apart were, were very poor on the road. But uh, no, I, I think there's there's a, a, a an opportunity there to, to go and put in a really strong performance against Partick Thistle. Hopefully, uh, you know, sort of a few goals in there um, just to, to keep the, the momentum going, particularly at Pataudry. Um But then to go down to Motherwell, who I thought were pretty lacklustre against Rangers in a game where you really thought there's a Rangers team that is there for the taking. And Motherwell didn't really lay a glove on them. You know, I conceded two soft goals. I mean, they'll, they'll rave about Malik Tillman's run but you looked at that and from about 40 yards out, you're saying, come on, somebody just nail him. Take a booking for the side. Um, just stop the run. 
don't don't give him an, an, an opportunity to get anywhere near the box. I think one of the big problems was that as he got closer to the box, the closest player to him was Sean Goss, who was already in a booking and knew mm-hmm. if I take one for the team, my team goes down to mm-hmm. 10 men. And then the second goal, um, you know, Kevin Van Veen should be marking John Lundstrom far tighter than he did. Um, but even even then, with Rangers being 2-0 up, um, you still didn't feel that Motherwell gave them much of a fight until McKinstry stuck that free kick in the top corner. And you, you do wonder what Alan McGregor was thinking two steps back and it's a routine catch, but um, he's... Seemed his feet were stuck in quicksand. So I think Motherwell have blown hot and cold. So if Aberdeen can go down to Fair Park on Saturday off the back of a couple of good wins at, at home at Petordi, ideally a couple of clean sheets, then yeah, have a right go at Motherwell. I don't think Motherwell are infallible and they're going to be in the midst of a really tough run of games on their home patch. Rangers just the game passed, Celtic tomorrow, and then Aberdeen. That's three tough games for them. So I think they're they're slightly vulnerable, but um, as you said, Motherwell turned us over in some style at Petaudry, Um, although virtually every one of our players played below par. Yeah. No, so I, 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 do, I do think, yes, it's important tomorrow night that we'll win. Mm. Because it, it gives you then a trip to Hamden, and it's a trip in, to Hamden in January. You've got all the three months there um, to build up. We're going back to Hamden. You, you, know, you can just hear it now, although the marketing team will be talking it up, talking it up. Oh, what's the allocation we're going to get? And everybody's going to be excited about going back to Hamden again. Because despite the fact that it was a regular occurrence, um, not that many years ago. It's been a wee bit of time since we were there. And who knows what the draw might throw up. Um, it might be going to Hamden with a realistic chance of getting back there again in February for the League Cup final. So, yeah, massive week, but they've, they've taken the first steps in the correct manner. Yeah, I, can, I can hear our marketing team now saying, why can't this ground's name have something that rhymes with red? Um, <laughs> um, won't be uh, won't be straightforward against Partick though, Dave. Going back to that game tomorrow night, top of the championship, looking good there. A one-off game, they'll they'll be up for it. They'll they'll tip themselves to give it a good go, won't they? I mean, do you think there's there's still a gulf between the top league and the championship? There is a a, a gulf, but it's not that uh, big. And uh, Partick will certainly fancy their chances of bridging that gulf tomorrow night. Uh, Ian McCall will have them well fired up for it and it is a it's a free hit for them they're they're not expected they're, they're going in as the underdogs but uh, their priority is getting back up into the Premier League but this is a nice welcome bonus and they uh, will have to be at our best to get through no doubt about it What switches do you make for the cup game Andrew? I mean do you change the shape back again bring other players back in give Arthur Bavage a start okay I'm, I'm kidding about that last one but Good to see him on the bench on Sunday for that Hearts game. Not out with realms of possibility that he gets a few minutes soon. Well, um, as you say, it was it was great to see young Alfie there, age of 16 and a half, and he's on the bench for the first team. Due reward for what he's produced for the under-18s and more on that later. Um, but uh, I don't think Jim will go and tinker with things. He hasn't done it at all. You, you look back to the qualifying rounds of the, the League Cup, he didn't rotate the squad. He stuck pretty much with the, the team because 
he was rebuilding something or he's building something new. And I think it's still the case. He's now had a bit of success, um, that Hearts victory with the 3-5-2 formation. But as we spoke about, there, there were periods in that game where it appeared that some players weren't entirely sure where they were supposed to be at what time, et cetera, et cetera. But um, no, I, I think he, he will just go, as providing there's been no further injuries, he'll go pretty much same again. Uh, Hayden Coulson should be back for tomorrow night, but I believe Johnny Hayes um, will miss out once again. He picked up a calf injury in training um, on Saturday, I think, before the the Hearts game and Jim said in his post-match press conference that Tuesday, that Wednesday comes just a wee bit too soon and that was an encouragement for me because um, when when we saw that the team lines we were looking through it and thinking what's the formation going to be oh Johnny Hayes isn't playing mm. that's like being two men light you know when you don't have Johnny Hayes because of the amount of work that Johnny puts in the game but as the game went on there were a couple of occasions, I must admit, where you thought, I really wish we had the energy of Johnny going down the left-hand side because um, Jack McKenzie cramped up as well as as Duke did. Understandable. It was Jack's first league start um, since last season. Um, and I thought he he did a very good interview on Red TV afterwards where he, he, he talked about trying to adapt into the role of being a wing-back. And he said... I wish I could be like Hayden Coulson and Johnny Hayes in the attacking sense. He says, I love defending, but I've got so much still to learn about going forward. But I think Jack shows a great willingness to go forward. It was just on occasions he didn't get the opportunity because I think Alan Forrest um, was a, a, a dangerous opponent um, and he had to con- concentrate on the defensive side of things first and foremost. But uh, no, I, I think Coulson maybe for Jack... But that would have been a wee bit harsh on Jack because I thought he acquitted himself well. It may be that they'll just say, right, we'll leave Coulson on the bench and if necessary, we can throw him on because he can play left wing back, um, left-sided centre back um, or orthodox left back. Um, but uh, no, I don't think we'll see many changes. Um, I think he'll try stick with the tried and tested. Just on the subject of Jack for a second, did you think he'd actually got a bit, a good bit broader? I thought he'd been in the gym quite a bit when I saw him run out first of all to start the game. Yeah, um, he's, I mean, he, he is a comparatively slight figure in comparison to to some, but um, but he's a hardy wee so and so. I'll tell you, <laughs> um, we've said it quite often in the past. Um, uh, very quiet, very studious, very polite, lovely guy off the pitch put him on the pitch and somebody go and rile him up and all of a sudden you've got a Tasmanian devil in there at mm. left back. Um, but no, I, I think um, Jack probably in coming back from injury has bulked up a bit and he's, he's that bit stronger and uh, you know, he's, he's certainly um, worthy of a place in the starting lineup. But if he doesn't get it, he's not the type that's going to go away in a huff um, he will just get back on, on the training ground and work harder and harder and and make sure that his name is in the back of the manager's mind when he's, he's drawn up his team lines. Do you keep one eye on that league game on Saturday coming, Dave, or, or do you just make sure you go for broke initially and hope you can sort of make some energy-saving changes later in the match with the game hopefully put to bed? I can 
give you four words, Wraith Rovers last season. You know, I think we'll put the game today before anything. Well done, um, Dave. Four words. You, you did do four words. Exactly. I counted them beforehand. Uh, so, uh, no, I think we've got to go and try and get to Hamden. Cup success means so much for the fans. Absolutely. Um, look at a couple, a couple of score predictors on the go for this week. First of all, that cup game at home against Partick Thistle uh, on Wednesday. Abney versus Partick Thistle, Andrew. Um, being very optimistic, I'm going to say Aberdeen 3, Thistle 0. And Dave? That was exactly what I was going to say. Just to be different, I'll go 2-0. Oh, I think too. I think too as well. Uh, well, as long as we get a win, I don't really care. I just want to get back to Hamden. Uh, next, Motherwell versus Aberdeen on Saturday. Um, I would love to not see Kevin Van Veen. Um, Dave, first this time. Uh, 2-1 Aberdeen. And Andrew. Well, Dave's gone and stolen my thunder once again there, so I'll go 1-0 <laughs> Aberdeen. Okay. Uh, Motherwell versus Aberdeen on Saturday. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to bother putting one in for that. On to Aberdeen women now, who had a week off last week, and at exactly the same time, the Dons men were in action against Hearts of Pataudry. The Dons women were playing their Hearts counterparts at Orium. The, uh, the women struggling more this year with a change in personnel. They've had a really hard time finding consistency in their performance. This time out, it ended 3-0 to the homicide. 11th place, second bottom. Uh, five points behind Hamilton Ackies, who are third bottom and in danger of being cut adrift today. But I think the one saving grace may be the fact they've got a game coming up at Pataudry on Sunday 30th against Glasgow Women, who are bottom. And if you can just hammer a few past them, it might be a catalyst for them to go on and, and do something, or at the very least, give them a bit of breathing space. Yeah, they need to turn it round and quick. And that game becomes huge now, the one on 30th at Pataudry. Uh, and one that hopefully they'll they'll get the, the points and start uh, turning their season round because at the moment it's, it's not looking good and confidence must be low. Yeah, next up before that, they're facing the other side of Edinburgh when Hibbs are the visitors for a match at Balmour on Wednesday evening at 7.30. They're actually not going all that well either. Only won two of their games so far. How do you see that one going, Dave? Uh, again, it's one that Emma and the, the rest of them will be, be looking to get something from. Maybe a share of spoils? On to the under-18s, where last week uh, we were hailing Alfie Babbage securing a hat-trick of hat-tricks in uh, successive games. This time the young Dons were up against stiffer opposition in Celtic at Cormac Park. He didn't manage another three in this one, did he, Andrew? How did it go? No, he didn't manage three. He managed two, um, <laughs> which is still phenomenal. I mean, he, he scored 16 goals in nine games, um, which is a terrific return. Um, but he uh, didn't quite manage to get the hat-trick against Celtic. Uh, the game in, ended up 3-3. Um, Celtic raced into a 2-0 lead just after half-time. Aberdeen came back. Adam Emsley scored an absolute beauty, cutting in from the left-hand side and firing one into the top corner of the net. And then two excellent corner deliveries from Dylan Lobin found uh, Alfie Bavage, who dispatched the ball and gave Aberdeen a 3-2 lead going into the, the dying embers of the game. Uh, unfortunately, there was enough time left there for Celtic to, to scramble an equaliser. And indeed, both sides had chances to win the game. So... It was one of those matches that uh, it could have end up, ended up 10-10, but um, I think Barry Robson was a bit disappointed in the fact that having got themselves back from 2-0 down to being in the lead, the Young Dons didn't manage to hold on to that lead through to the, the final whistle. And uh, I think he felt that they may be over-celebrated going ahead, maybe lost a bit of focus. So it's it's an, an important 
learning uh, experience for them that when you, you do come back from adversity and get yourself in the lead, make sure that you shut the opposition out altogether. So 3-3 it finished up, but um, an exciting game at Cormac Park last Friday. And as I say, Alfie, just missing out on a fourth successive hat-trick, I sent him a message and I said, look, don't worry about the hat-trick run being over. Um, you're still scoring a phenomenal number of goals. And he got back and he said, the only disappointment was we didn't manage to win the game. And I thought that was a really good message to be sending out. Team first, myself second. Yeah. Score four in the next one or you're dead. That's, 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 that's <laughs> something like that. <laughs> that's, that's what Barry will be And the, the next one is a, the next one is a, a youth cup trip up to Ross County this coming Friday. Oh, that'll be interesting. Uh, into the championship and Cove Rangers, who'd uh, been having better form of late before losing 3-0 away to Wraith last time. On Saturday past, uh, they welcomed Inverness to Balmoral. That one ended 1-0 to the visitors, unfortunately, with the late sending off for Leighton McIntosh. Uh, Cove, with the bulk of possession, they've not a lot in it, few clear-cut chances, but Inverness, showing their experience, maybe, and just managing to grind out the win in the end. Yeah, they did, and grind is a good word to use. Um, but it's it was disappointing from a Cove perspective, obviously. And uh, with two away games coming up, they really and against Air United and Hamilton, they really need to start taking something on the road, which has been the main problem because uh, they had a very good home record until the weekend reversal against uh, Thistle, Cali, Cali Thistle. But uh, no, not much in it. But uh, you know, I think Cove will. Their, their objective is to consolidate the championship and I think they're still well within uh, on track for that. Yeah, Cove's next match, as you say, on Saturday when they're away to Air United. If Peter Head, the risk of a campaign becoming dismal if they don't manage to get it together imminently. A 4-0 home defeat to Falkirk last time for them, not boding well ahead of an away trip to meet Queen of the South. That one finished 2-0 to the home side and already, Andrew, the storm clouds gathering rock bottom, two behind the nearest rivals. They've got a game in hand. Um, the, the nearest rivals, that is, not Peter Head. Still a long way to go, but this rut is looking a bit ominous, isn't it? Yeah, they're really struggling to get out of it. Peter Head's season is almost mirroring the Aberdeen ladies' season. Um, you know, we, we hoped that it was going to be so much better, but uh, when, as you say, when you get into that, that consistent run of form that is negative, it is so hard to get out of it. And they... You know, Peter Head and Clyde, to be honest, starting to get cut adrift at the bottom of the table. Um, Clyde, six points off eighth place. Kelty Hearts have found their feet in League One um, and are doing okay. Uh, and it's so important that, that Peter Head get back to winning ways. They do have back-to-back home games, Aloha Athletic and FC Edinburgh. And I, I would suggest they have to take a positive result out of at least one of these games. Ideally, maybe get four points out of six. I don't see their, their form doesn't point to anything um, like, oh, two wins, because, um, you know, they just haven't been producing results. But again, it all comes down to the fact that there's so many new players in that Peterhead side. There's no continuity of selection being made available to Jim McAnally because of injuries, etc. I think they said, oh, um, you know, we've still got eight players out, but that's an improvement of eight players um, from the previous week. Um, they had eight more players they could call on. So it's, it's been a, a really horrible season yeah. for them so far. But um, you, you live in hope, um, but the longer this 
poor run goes on, the harder it's going to be to get out of it. Yeah, it's the perfect storm, isn't it? Uh, Peter Hedge, next match back at Balmour, as you say, when they face Aloha. In the Highland League, the first fixture of the weekend came on Friday evening, when Bank City hosted currently champions Fraserburgh. That one ended 1-1. On Saturday, the game's finished Clach 2, Lossiemouth 1, Forest Mechanics 4, Devonvale 1, Inverurie Locos 0, Huntley 0, Nairn 0, Brora Rangers 4. Rothis 2, Bucky Thistle 4, Strathspey Thistle 1, Tariff United 6, Wick Academy 0, Martin United 3, and Brecon City 5, Keith 0. All that means Brecon City remain top on 31 points. Bucky Jags now in clear second on 28, for Martin in third on 26. In the juniors, Dave? Well, it was a good weekend for Cooter because they made seven wins out of seven with a 3-1 victory at Stonywood Parkville. And the two teams above them, uh, who have played obviously more games on Friday night, drew Hermes relying on a last gasp equaliser. Uh, elsewhere, Bankery won dice five, Colony Park nil, Stonehaven three, East End three, Dufftown nil, uh, Maud three, Montrose Rosalie two. And uh, in the Championship, uh, Fraserburgh United four, Bank City Juniors three was the highlight. Charlie Rothney scoring a second half hat trick for D, but uh, Fraserburgh getting an own goal late on to edge that one 4-3. Uh, so that means that Sunnybank, who won 1-0 at Isle of Vale through Kevin Robertson's goal, they are now back in front in the Championship. But it's all very, very tight. Roth Rovers defeated Glen Tanner 2-0 with a Jake Stewart double. Congratulations to Paul Laurie. Winner once again on, on the, the senior, uh, tour. Yeah, senior tour. Second uh, out, win, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, out in La Manga. Um, shades of 1999 at Carnoustie once again. Um, he went into the last round. I think he was five shots behind the, the second round leader. Uh, pulled that back with a great second round of 65. Michael Johnson from, from Sweden, who was the leader, go, goes on to the, the, the last tee with a two shot lead. Double bogey's the last, which means that it's a playoff. <laughs> and then Paul Laurie birdies the, the playoff hole to win. So um, well done to Paul once again. Still life in the old dog yet. Well, Dad, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is pretty much it for episode 53. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pataudry P.S. We'll see you next time.